0: Mr. Ryan Kennedy, welcome to the Unleashed podcast. Thanks for uh, for making the time. Grateful to be here, man. Excited to uh, chat with you and share some value with your audience.
1: Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. This episode is exciting for me, and I think it should be exciting for everybody that's listening across uh, Asia or wherever you are in the world, as the topic we're going to get into today is functional medicine. Um the the role that diet plays in your overall vitality and also just any other kind of hacks to optimize in your health. If you're, you know, an entrepreneur or even if you're not an entrepreneur, to be frank, if you're a human and you are trying to live the best life and you're trying to get the most out of your days, this is an episode you're going to want to be listening to. Um, there's going to be so much here. So Ryan, again, thanks for, for joining me, mate. Um, so a, a bit of background, and actually, funnily enough, I, I I only just yesterday went and saw a functional medicine uh, practitioner. Uh, I was working with one a few years back uh, with um, with my mom's functional doctor in San Francisco, and I found one here in Singapore. So I went and saw one. So it's fresh on my mind. So I'm I'm fairly well abreast of kind of what the functional um, medicine practice is and what it kind of stands for, but I don't think it's as widely known here in Asia. So maybe if we could just start there by, uh, giving me a little kind of synopsis on what is functional medicine, but also more importantly, um, how did you get into it? Cause I know there were some personal things that it kind of compelled you into that space.
0: Yeah. So functional medicine is really about addressing the root cause and looking for different imbalances in the body and looking at the body as a whole system. So allopathic medicine oftentimes will compartmentalize, you know, you have a cardiologist for your heart, you have, you know, nephrologist for your kidneys, you have, you know, a neurologist for your brain. And so all these different physicians are not really looking at the body as a whole. They're just looking at their specific subtype. And unfortunately with our modern medical system, the system's very much so designed around suppressing symptoms, right? You know, the pharmaceutical industry has a lot of input into our medical system. So there's not a lot of money in cures. Uh, As you may be aware, there's a lot of money in disease management. So we don't really have a healthcare system. We have a disease management system. And I'm not, I don't want to completely dock modern medicine because it's life-saving. You know, when it comes to acute trauma care, infectious disease, I've had my fair share of injuries, man. And I'll tell you what, I've been under surgery and just thankful of the technology and the skilled surgeons and all that good stuff. But when it comes to chronic disease, things like cancer, heart disease, diabetes, dementia, all these different uh, diseases that are really come down to our lifestyle and, you know, imbalances in the body, modern medicine has really failed us, you know, in terms of getting to the root cause, they have certain medications that can help manage these, but not really good systems in place to teach people, how to eat, how to live, how to, you know, structure their lifestyle, how to improve their sleep, how to manage stress, how to replenish nutrient deficiencies, how to really get to the the bottom of why they have that particular issue, whether it be autoimmune related or whether it be something like I mentioned, like cancer or heart disease, you know, two of the biggest killers in our society today. And so functional medicine really looks at the body as a whole and really looks to resolve the imbalances typically through lifestyle intervention. Like, how can you make different choices in your day-to-day to to correct the issues that are really causing this symptom, regardless of the symptom, you know, what it might be, you know, really looking to quell inflammation or, you know, rebalance your hormones or improve your mitochondria function rather than just giving someone some stimulants or some painkillers or, you know, something to just put a band-aid that are... Inevitably, going to cause more side effects and take you down a deep rabbit hole of more problems in the long run. So that's kind of a background on functional medicine and how it compares to allopathic uh, modern medicine.
1: No, I, I was going to say, you know, I, I just 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 talking to that point, I, I feel like, and I guess resonating what you're saying is a lot of it's around self awareness, right? Because as as you're, I'm listening to you. There are so many different spokes to the wheel that you're kind of tacking on there, right? Lifestyle, diet, stress. And, you know, I'm just kind of relating my story to when I've been living in the Philippines for the last seven years. And it's not because people don't want to feel good. Or it's not because people don't want to live the best life. Education and awareness is such a massive uh, killer. Like it is yeah. stopping people from really understanding what are these decisions that they're making in their life. Um, and and the, 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 the doctors are feeding pills they're just kind of they're prescribing pills to just suppress symptoms and 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 even like i guess the the more worrying thing for me is that places like the philippines where allopathic medicine is the primary source of medical care the doctors aren't even aware of these other uh ideas around stress management and the idea of, you know, nutrition, they're just running off an old textbook. Yep. So that's the, that's a concerning thing for me in Asia. So I'm super excited to bring some of this education to, to people here in Asia, um, just to get people to be making the right choices. So again, so ha, ha, yeah. How did you get into functional medicine? What kind of propelled you into this space? Yeah, I got
0: into this space from a real tragedy. When I was 14, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, at the time being pretty young, I didn't know much about it. I didn't think much of it, but I watched her go through the standard of care, the, you know, chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery, and really watched her oncologist tell her what you eat doesn't matter. Your lifestyle doesn't matter. The only chance of survival are these ultra expensive toxic drugs. And unfortunately going through this process, she passed away from cancer two years later and it really, evoke something in me to learn more about this from a personal level, because she was young. She was only 54 when she passed. And also to really take a deeper dive so I could help educate others because it wasn't only the misinformation she received during her, her treatments. It was the misinformation she received for decades leading up to this point of looking at the food guide pyramid and looking at a lot of these government guidelines and a lot of the nonsense of what to eat and how, you know, the different mainstream media outlets are pushing Uh, information that just is simply not accurate. So I went through my own health journey, you know, at the time I was overweight, dealing with a bunch of skin issues, oftentimes depressed, you know, really fatigued, and just not not doing well, man. Uh, As you can imagine, from, you know, life circumstances, but also my own physiology was not at its peak. And so I went in and kind of got deep into fitness. And, you know, through my athletics, Suffered from several injuries, which took me to study physical therapy. Uh, I studied kinesiology in my undergrad, and I was working in physical therapy clinics and really helping a lot of people. Uh, everything from you know people with brain injuries to stroke victims to people that had just under, undergone some massive injury. And I was quickly realizing, while I love fitness and I love physical therapy, it was only one piece of the puzzle. And doing these exercises and doing these workouts only took. The patients I was seeing so far because they were eating very poorly, they weren't sleeping well, they were stressed out, their environment was a mess in terms of toxic load and, you know, their lighting or, you know, lack of sunlight and just not being able to really get integrated with some of the really fundamental laws of mother nature of how humans have evolved to thrive, took me down the path. So I went back to school in post-grad school. I studied naturopathic medicine and clinical nutrition and just took a deep dive into all of these various factors that really determine not only our, our health and longevity, but also our our performance. So having good mental clarity, good energy. I mean, that's really the currency of life is having good energy, right? Enables us to do anything and everything we want. And then also our quality of life, you know, just how we feel. We all just want to feel good, man. And, and so many folks totally just don't, don't, they don't feel good, whether it be you know, depression or anxiety and more mental related things, whether it be crippling gut issues, where they're, you know, in the bathroom seven, eight times a day, whether it be insomnia or sleep related problems, you know, and all these different things that are all just so common in our society. So that's what brought me to where I am today, I opened up my functional medicine practice. And I've been helping patients from all across the globe from all walks of life ever since and absolutely love it, man. It's really been uh, a real pain to purpose calling for me of just taking what is off, you know, it's clearly a, a tragedy in many respects and mm-hmm. turning it into really fuel for my mission, my purpose and, you know, bringing me to where I am today to where I've been able to help thousands of people uh, avoid a chronic illness and or reverse uh, chronic illness using lifestyle interventions. You know, not, I don't deal with any drugs or surgery or anything like that in my practice. Um, I do use various high quality supplementation, vitamins, minerals, different herbs and things of that nature. Uh, but it really comes down to the foundation, the lifestyle practices that keep your body resilient, keep you healthy, keep you feeling good and enable you to excel in every aspect of life,
1: man. I love the work. I love the work and so critical at this time of the world as well with the population, just exponentially growing. Obviously we're seeing the effect of that with the pandemic and everything else that's going on around us. I think you that one of the points you made, um, resonated well with me, the, the idea that people are just kind of accepting illness. And it it's so it's so true. I think even for myself, because I was I was a little bit unwell after high school. It was kind of a mystery illness. Went and saw doctors, did the full blood works. Nobody could really tell me what it was. And I went and saw uh, an applied kinesiologist. For one reason or another, it 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 did promote me or kind of push me in the right direction to feel better. But I never really got to the bottom of it. <clears throat> never got to the bottom or said yes it was you know it's this or never really got a diagnosis but and and i to be honest like i think subsequent years i i probably just accepted living with some of the symptoms and just kind of living and accepting that quality of life and i think that's being done all around us um, and people are just kind of accepting it they're accepting this lower level of of life whether it's energy or headaches or like you said bowel, bowel issues yeah um so you know there's so much here right and i want to decompartmentalize this i want to unpack it and just kind of get it a little bit more pointed because i know this health space for a lot of people can be a little bit overwhelming as well right it's kind of like they look at uh they look at you know people on social media and they just see all these different things that people are doing and what people are eating and all the different diets that they're spruking And I mean, I, I, I'm actually quite a health advocate myself and I get overwhelmed. So I can only think like, you know, your everyday person that is just starting to think about health and wellness. And maybe they just got a gym membership or they're making the right choice to move. And then they see all this other stuff around, well, I need to be doing diet and I need to be doing, Uh, you know, I need to be in the sunlight and I need to be, you know, doing, um, you know, breathing and I need to be doing (laughs) ice baths. So it's just, you know, I think there's a lot there, all really super relevant, but I want to just compartmentalize this a bit and just focus on this area of diet first and foremost, because I do think that, and we've seen it in our business in Asia, because we are put, we're not, we're not, we haven't entered Asia to steal the market for from competition, because I don't look at competition as competition in the health and fitness space in the gym space, more players that are promoting people to be active and move is, is, is better. And so what we're seeing is we're actually creating this market. But the missing link is that we're seeing all these new people entering gyms, buying gym memberships, making that first choice to be active. But they're not connecting it with these other areas, including most specifically, the fact that they need to be making the right choices around diet and what they put in this thing, their mouth. Yep. Um, so with that, and this, even just this space of diet is crowded, right? I mean, if you look at again on social media, all the different diets, whether it's veganism, keto, you know, whatever it is, it's, it, it can be very, very confusing. So let's just focus on diet for a minute Um. with all those different, kind of uh, diets or ideas or or or, or, or um, I beliefs. What is your belief around, you know, what diet should people really be focusing on? And where does somebody start? Like, where does somebody start if they're just thinking about, okay, I want to just get my want to get my eating right? Yeah, excellent question, man. So
0: first and foremost, I always teach people don't wear your diet as an identity. You know, people get in these diet camps and, you know, if they're vegan or they're keto or they're, you know, paleo, they, it's like the end all be all. And it almost, they wear like a religion, man. And it's like, dude, this is just the way you eat. Like calm down, understand that different things work for different people and different things work for you now that may not work for you in a few years or may have not worked for you five years ago. So we got to understand our bodies are always changing And there's no one size fits all when it comes to the perfect human diet. Now, there are some foundational principles that I'm going to cover here. I actually recorded a podcast on this on my show. I call these like the 10 universal laws to good nutrition. And they're really just foundational elements to any good way of eating. Regardless of the details, this is where people should really start, especially if they're just getting going on their journey or they're feeling overwhelmed from all these conflicting ideologies. And, you know... First things first, get rid of the processed food, right? Eat foods in their whole natural state. Like, and and a lot of folks listening to this are probably like, well, duh, Ryan, I've heard this a million times. Yet most people don't do it, you know? And there's so many quote unquote healthy processed foods coming out that, you know, are better ingredients, but still anything that can stay good on a shelf in a package for years on end is never going to compare to fresh whole foods.
1: How do you define um, processed foods? So you said it's got the long shelf life. Is there any other kind of core ingredients that are typically making up these processed foods?
0: Well, there's obviously different layers of processing, but anything that you buy in a package with a nutrition facts label that, you know, is in a, you know, shelf stable for many years. Is going to be processed food. And, and that's like pretty, I said, that's
1: pretty much that's pretty much most people's diet.
0: Yeah, for the most part. You know, but you don't see that when you go buy wild-caught fish and when you go buy produce and when you go buy some grass-fed meat or you go buy some eggs. You don't have that, right? So really looking at that as a foundational element. And like I said, there's different layers. You have the processed food that's garbage with the refined grains and the soybean or canola oil and all the refined sugars. And now they're making better processed foods, you know, where you could find things that don't have all those nonsense ingredients, uh, but they still shouldn't be your first choice. You know, and what the still- pro-
1: what do processed foods do to your body. I mean, what, what, why should people stay away from processed foods? What, what is the actual impact that, that people won't see? Because obviously some of this stuff is slow moving and you don't see what's happening in your body. But what, what, what is it actually doing to your body?
0: Yeah. I love that slow, slow moving. I always tell people food can be your greatest medicine. Or it can also be your slowest form of poison because it's true what we put into our bodies has impacts years from here from now and may not show up day one. Although a lot of times when you eat something lousy, you feel pretty lousy after. Uh, so processed foods, conventionally speaking, are going to be some combination of a refined carbohydrate, typically refined grain, you know, wheat, corn, uh, soybeans, and then they're going to also have uh, rancid, oxidized vegetable oil. So these are the industrial seed oils, canola, soybean oil, corn oil, safflower oil. I mean, I could go on and on. These really inflammatory omega-6 oils that are just frankenfoods for our body. And not only that, the way that they process these really rancid oxidized oils creates so much inflammation at the cellular level because our cell membranes are actually comprised of primarily fats. And when you start intaking the wrong types of fats, aka these processed vegetable oils, they actually comprise your cell membranes and cause chronic inflammation at the cellular level. And it takes a long time to recycle these cell membranes in the body. So you got high levels of inflammation right off the bat that are going to, you know, be a root cause of a many, many different issues that can manifest as a result of that. So that's going to be one of the biggest culprits. And when people ask me what the most unhealthy food on the planet is, most folks think it's sugar. It's actually these unhealthy oxidized vegetable oils that just your body can metabolize sugar if you're active. It cannot metabolize this this toxic sludge that is in virtually all conventional processed foods. Um, And then you combine that with the refined grains or refined sugars, and it is just a recipe for disaster for your metabolic rate, for your inflammatory levels, for your hormonal balance, for your gut health, for your brain function. I mean, every system in the body is negatively impacted when you put this garbage in your mouth. Uh, and then there's obviously a ton of preservatives and different additives and coloring agents. And, you know, the list goes on and on, which are all, all many of which are known, known to be carcinogenic, uh, or neurotoxic. So, you know, we don't want that in the, in the body, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's going to be essentially the answer to your question is it it can manifest as a number of different issues, short-term and long-term. Uh, but those are going to be the main components that are going to be very problematic,
1: I've got a few, um, I've got a, f- a few, uh, different words written down here. Cause these are kind of, uh, reoccurring themes that come up for me around just, um, what not to put in your body, but you mentioned a couple of them, but so you got processed foods, sugar is another big one. Uh, you know, I think there's been a shift in knowledge and just education around, especially around, um, the marketing of, uh, uh, dairy or the marketing of fat, sorry, um, back in the early days and now they're realizing that sugar is the big killer. Can you talk about sugar for a second? Cause I think that's a huge one that people are just overloading on. Cause it's almost like an addiction. I mean, I'm kind con- uh, guilty of it myself. I reach for yeah. that little chocolate bar after dinner, you know, it's, it's a bit well, of a vi- habitual kind of <laughs>
0: habit. Yeah. It's very much so an addiction. It's one of the more addictive drugs on the planet, uh, refined sugar. And so one of the mechanisms of action that occurs in the body when you intake more sugar, uh, or any refined carbohydrate for that matter, breads, pastas, crackers, cookies, I mean, all these things will qualify because they do a similar thing in the body as as pure sugar, is you get a huge spike in your blood glucose. So the circulating sugar in your bloodstream. And the way that our body compensates for that is we get this big release of the hormone insulin from our pancreas, which helps shuttle that sugar into cells. And the problem with this is over time with repeated kind of roller coaster of high blood glucose with a big insulin release, you get a big crash in your blood sugar. And so you get more sugar cravings. So it creates this really negative cycle where you're constantly kind of up and down and it creates a lot of fatigue, brain fog. And over time, your cells become less and less sensitive to this hormone insulin and you start to become insulin resistant which is what causes type two diabetes, which is what causes a lot of neurological issues. Uh, scientists are now calling things like dementia and Alzheimer's type three diabetes due to the role of this high elevated insulin and chronic blood sugar uh, instability that, that occurs when you eat a lot of sugar. Uh, and then it also feeds a lot of overgrowths and imbalances in the gut. So when you're eating a lot of excess sugar, and excess carbohydrates, you oftentimes will get an overgrowth of yeast. Uh, primarily cam- candida being a, a big player in that. You'll get an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine and you'll get a condition like SIBO. You could also feed uh, things like H. pylori and other gut infections that can really start to wreak havoc. Because as you may be aware, our gut is such a cornerstone of our entire body. So when your gut is compromised, your immune system function, your neurotransmitter levels, your you know, overall body's health, really goes downhill. So Mm. that's just to name a few. I mean, we could go on and on about the inflammatory and harmful impact of excessive sugar consumption, uh, but it's really something that needs to be uh, definitely minimized. And people that are super active, if you're very physically active, you're training a lot, you're an athlete, you could tolerate a lot more carbohydrate because you're burning up that blood glucose. It's Mm. shuttling it into the muscle cells and you're depleting your glycogen, which is stored carbohydrate in the liver and in in the muscle. So it's not causing the same type of effects as someone that's more sedentary. But even for active individuals, getting your carbohydrates from refined sugar is not going to be a good idea due to those gut imbalances I referenced and the hormone imbalances that could also ensue. Uh, So I really urge people to get clean sources of carbohydrates which we could talk about things like root vegetables, whole fruit, because it's in a complex with fiber and other micronutrients uh, white rice is actually a clean burning starch as well. Uh, and then different, uh, various squashes, winter squashes are going to be a clean source of carbohydrates. So I'm not like a carb zealot. You know, a lot of folks in the space sound like get all the carbohydrates out of here. You got to go keto. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, there's a time and place. I think that could be a very therapeutic approach for certain conditions, but for most folks, especially if you're active, having some clean source, clean burning, low inflammatory carbohydrates with dinner is an excellent strategy for a, a number of reasons we could dive into if you'd like to go deeper into that topic.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, as I'm listening, there's a whole you know plethora of kind of consequences to some of these things that you should just stay away from. So and we've got two of them on our table now, processed foods and sugars. I just want to focus on the the, the don't haves initially. So we got sugar processed foods. What are the other don't haves or things that just should be generally avoided? I've got a few things here again dairy gluten meat are things that kind of come up for me as a reoccurring theme maybe i'm being sucked into some of the marketing but keen to kind of debunk some of this if it's if it's not true but those are kind of three areas that i do kind of currently reoccurringly hear that we should stay away from as humans
0: yeah we can unpack those kind of a deeper conversation with the gluten especially because it's you know for the most mm-hmm. part people should avoid it same with dairy but also Some people tolerate raw grass-fed dairy just fine. So it's very much so the processing and the raising of the cattle that's really problematic with dairy. Um, But as far as the other category of food, we already touched on it when we talked about processed foods, but it's those industrial vegetable oils that top the list of things people need to avoid. I know in Asia, I've traveled throughout Asia. I led a wellness retreat in Bali last year and been through Thailand. They use a lot of these industrial vegetable oils in the cooking. And when you heat them up at high heat, a.k.a. when you're making fried food, which is very common, obviously, uh, that becomes even more problematic. Cause then you get these really damaging um, hydrocarbons and different uh, compounds that will actually be produced through the high heating of these really toxic, unstable oils. That is just it wrecks havoc. I have an entire chapter in my book, Beyond Nutrition, outlining All the research and all the reasons and the entire history of how these things even came into the marketplace and pushed things like grass fed butter and coconut oil and, you know, other healthy fats off the table and, you know, brought in Crisco and margarine and all these rancid, just horrific fats. So that's, that's number one, sugar, definitely no go processed foods going to contain most of those. So that's going to be a no go. And then the, like you mentioned gluten uh, and and those grains for the most part, people are going to do better to steer clear of those, no doubt about it. Uh, dairy for the most part, I have people steer clear of as well, but I will say like a raw grass-fed goats, uh, cheese or sheep, typically are much better tolerated than cows uh, milk. And then you touched on meat and this is something we can unpack. I also have an entire chapter on meat on my book because there's so many misconceptions. And I think that a lot of people are meaning well in the vegan community and vegetarian communities really advocating that we avoid meat but they're not differentiating the the vast difference between what's often referred to as CAFO, industrial meat. So confined animal feedlot operation meat versus hundred percent grass fed meat, where the cows are actually on open pasture, getting fresh air, getting sunlight, getting the diet that mother nature intended for them that are actually healthy animals Uh, because animal protein in general, grass fed meat, such as beef, lamb, bison, wild game meats, This is the most nutrient dense food on the planet, the most uh, dense source of bioavailable vitamins and minerals. And this is really the food that humans have evolved to eat. You know, there's never been a single vegan society on the face of the planet, because if there was, they would completely die off after a few generations because they can't reproduce because they're missing too many essential nutrients needed for fertility, not to mention all the other functions that they play. So I'm not an advocate of a vegan diet. I think I've actually helped many, many patients that have come to me on a vegan diet who felt great at first, you know, you always feel awesome at first. And I think short term, it could be totally appropriate in certain instances. But over the course of time, you develop severe deficiencies of omega three fatty acids, uh, vitamin B12, carnosine, creatine, taurine, all these essential nutrients that you can't really get in the plant kingdom. And then you also have functional deficiencies of vitamin A and other nutrients that are hard to get in their bioavailable state through plants. So, I'm also not a carnivore guy. Like a lot of people like to be very extremist, as you may be aware, uh, but we're omnivores. You know, I think there's a place and time for high quality grass fed, you know, big caveat there. Uh, Meats, mm-hmm. wild caught seafood, pasteurized eggs, these are very good sources of nutrition, but also not demonizing plants either. Uh, understanding that vegetables, root vegetables, fruits, all these things have their place in our diet uh, and can really create a lot of balance.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, obviously on this show, I'm not looking to get into any form of technical debate. A, hey, I'm not a subject matter expert. And I recognize that different strokes for different folks, as you kind of mentioned, belief systems, body types, where you're at in your life. So those are all really good, um, uh, views. Um, one thing I did want to just clarify for everybody because you mentioned that the 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 oils are such a, a massive part of it and it's true I mean like the amount of food that people eat out I mean I'm guilty of it like I probably eat out of the house too often and you just don't see what's going into the food that yeah. and how they're making it but if you're cooking at home what are the healthy alternatives that you can replace some of these oils with quick note before I dive into that the advice I give to all my patients and all my
0: students, when you're eating out at a restaurant, because they almost always use one of these ch- super cheap, really harmful fats I went over, is tell them you're allergic to vegetable oils. You use the word allergy, they are gonna take your request very seriously and just tell them cook my food in butter or cook it in olive oil or how you know, put whatever other type of non-horrific fat you have back there uh, when you prepare my food. Uh, if you just tell them not to use it, they usually will just kind of smug off your request. But if you say the word allergy, now they're going to be extra careful with your meal. So that's one little piece of practical advice for everyone listening and and yourself included. Yeah, Uh, I love it. As far as healthy cooking fats, at the top of my list is grass-fed ghee. This is the most heat-stable fat on the planet. It is a fantastic source of fat-soluble nutrients. And this is clarified butter. This is where they take the milk solids out of butter and essentially distill the fat. And it is uh, by and far my favorite cooking fat. It tastes wonderful and it is incredible for you. Grass-fed ghee. And even if you have a dairy intolerance, you're still very likely to tolerate uh, ghee very well because they remove a lot of the milk proteins. Uh, Coconut oil is also going to be great. Anytime you're cooking, you want saturated fat because that's solid at room temperature. And without getting too technical, it creates a lot more stability uh, because it doesn't have an extra double bond that can react with oxygen. So while avocado oil and extra virgin olive oil are very healthy, I wouldn't really cook with them because they're not heat stable like grass fed ghee or coconut oil or grass fed beef tallow uh, or duck fat. These are going to be much better options is a good quality saturated fat for cooking. Now, if you're having a salad or adding uh, healthy fat to your food after it's been cooked, extra virgin olive oil is at the top of my list. It's fantastic. Um, I eat a lot of avocados and a lot of my patients do as well. So I don't typically have people use avocado oil because you're already getting those fatty acids from fresh avocados. Uh, but that would be fine as well. And then there's a few others that could be decent, but outside of that list, I really don't recommend much. You know, like okay. you could get a little macadamia nut oil or some sesame oil that could be decent, but it's rare to find a good quality one. And they're just not stable. They're very uh prone to rancidity and oxidation.
1: So what what I'm what I'm hearing is these foods, they impact your body's ability to run its natural balanced function, getting rid of toxins, getting rid of pathogens, producing energy, all those things that lead you to being able to live with energy and, and feel well. Right. Let's look at the, let's look at the other side of the spectrum and let's get a little bit pointed on, okay, these are the things that they should avoid. What are the shoulds? What are the things that people should be looking at to put in their mouth and put on their plate on a daily basis? And what are what's maybe do you have a bit of a, a, a structure or a framework or a guide that can kind of make it easier for pe- for people to understand and, and follow?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to kind of outline the fundamentals, but it is obviously a deep dive when it comes to how to figure out the right foods for you and create more of a customized uh, nutrition protocol or approach that works for your gut for your body because there is a lot of individuality to this. So I have an entire nutrition masterclass where I cover these topics in, in depth with various guides and protocols and meal plans and shopping lists and all that type of good stuff. Cause having those pieces in place is key for integration for actually applying the material, right? Cause people listen to this podcast, but if they don't have these missing pieces and have healthy recipes they can make and, you know, know how to actually run with it. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it goes one ear and out the other, you know, so it's mm-hmm. really good to have the the tools that you need to actually apply this successfully. So high level stuff, Kind of like we referenced, man. Good quality, uh, ideally organic, so you don't have all the, you know, pesticides and and chemicals that they spray on crops. But you know, vegetables and root vegetables are going to be fantastic, as well as uh, whole fruits. No fruit juice, because that's just going to be like mainlining sugar into your bloodstream. But whole fruits, uh, especially if they're seasonal, that's going to be ideal. And then high quality animal foods are going to be fantastic. So that include wild caught fish, grass fed meats. Wild game meat, pasture-raised eggs, uh, bone broth—all those types of high-quality animal foods are going to be the best source of nutrition when coupled with a balanced diet of these healthy plants uh, (AKA vegetables) and uh, some fruit, and then the healthy fats we just touched on. I mean, that comprises a very, very good uh, nutrition plan. And what that would look like in practicality? Maybe a you know four to eight-ounce fillet of salmon, depending on your body size and you know your protein needs. Having a you know sweet potato cooked up in some coconut oil, and having a vegetable of your choice, whether that be asparagus, whether that be broccoli or Brussels sprouts, or any number of options, you know, and that is going to comprise a very balanced, a very good meal for the vast majority of individuals. Uh, now there are obviously food sensitivities, and you know people's guts depending on their journey. Sometimes they don't tolerate certain plants that have things like lectins and oxalates and some of these different. Uh, plant chemical defense systems, and that—that that is getting into more of the weeds. I don't know how advanced your audience is when it comes to nutrition, but uh, that is something that's absolutely a real thing. And I do find uh, kind of sticking with what I call low-toxin plants can be very efficacious for someone with a lot of gut issues that has indigestion. They get bloating or gas or abdominal pain after eating, uh, and they've already cleaned up the common culprits that we touched on—the refined grains, the sugar. The, the unhealthy fats that kind of clean those out. And they're still like, man, my gut's not quite right. And I've been eating really well. A lot mm-hmm. of times it's some of these uh, vegetables and plants that are recognized as healthy in the big scheme of things, you know, generally for most people, but you could absolutely have trouble digesting them. I'd say the top culprits on this list, man, would be mm-hmm. onions and garlic. They're very fermentable and tend to cause a lot of gas and a lot of bloating for people. They're what are categorized as FODMAP foods, you know, these fermentable the and disaccharides. And then looking into things that are higher in lectins, uh, things that are higher in oxalates, like leaky greens, you know, having a big ass salad, I think most people would think big ass salad. That's like the holy grail of good nutrition. Very few people can digest a big ass salad, dude. I'm telling you like they, you know, raw vegetable fiber is hard to digest. And if you have any inflammatory condition like diverticulitis or, uh, you know, uh, IBS or anything of that nature, that raw fiber is going to create a lot of aggravation to your digestive tract and really cause you a lot of issues, not to mention.
1: Is cooked veggies better than than the raw veggies then from your point of view? Yes, for the most part.
0: Now, if you have great gut function, your digestive system is working great. I'm a huge fan of raw veggies because you get all the live enzymes and you get a bunch of other good stuff from it. But if you're not digesting your food well, you're going to be much better off cooking your vegetables down in a soup or a stew or a stir fry, you know, or steaming them so that they, it's easier to break down the fiber. You're diminishing a lot of these, uh, what are oftentimes called anti-nutrients, these plant chemical defense systems, which we could dive into deeper if you're interested in that. Uh, and so it is going to be a little bit easier on the gut for most folks to eat cooked uh, vegetables rather than a bunch of raw leafy greens or a big, big old salad.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, again, we're kind of keeping it high level here because there are a number of rabbit holes we can go into. And, um, I, you know, for, for the purpose of this audience, I think high level is good because for me, just getting that general awareness is the first protocol. And, um, you know, you mentioned like, uh, people's, um, allergies or, uh, intolerances. A lot of people, including myself, are not aware of these intolerances as well, as well, right? And it does require some more technical testing and really getting clear on um, what those intolerances are. But I mean, even just before that gets done, what I found really quite useful was just purely doing a continual audit on what's on my plate. Because I mean, it's, it's, I think it's so easy just to kind of like let it slide, right? It's like you let it slide once and then. Next thing you know, it's like habitual. You're out. You're ordering that 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 Coke, you know, that Coke Light or that Coke Zero. You just kind of like, oh, one more soda, or you've got a plate full of, you know, you got oh, just one more burger. So I feel like taking an audit and really just getting conscious of what's on your plate is so important, just to start that process of connecting. Well, what am I putting in my body? And, oh, maybe this is why I have reoccurring migraines or this is why I've got low energy or this is why, I, you know, I, I maybe I've got an actual underlying chronic illness. Um, so, so, so important. Um, and I think here in Asia, I mean, I know one thing that you said earlier, which is white rice is quite a good carbohydrate. I think that'll be music to most people's ears here in in Asia. Um, I don't think people can live without it. But Um. um when it comes to uh, supplementation above and beyond your diet, right? Because this is another space where marketing, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry and, you know, I've got a microwave full of vitamins and supplements over here. And part of the reason why I went and saw the functional doctor yesterday is because I looked at these vitamins and said, well, do I really need these? I mean, how do I know I need these? So, you know, I've gone out to do some of the testing, get my bro- you know, blood profiles done and just kind of identify where these deficiencies are. But what's your guideline for above and beyond just eating right making the right choices in that space? What's your guideline for um, supplementation? How do you look at supplementation? So I think there's a ton of garbage on the market. I
0: know there is. You know, I, I really think that a lot of people are wasting their money or actually doing harm to their bodies with cheap, low quality supplements. But with that being said, I am a huge advocate of targeted high quality supplementation because in today's day and age, it is almost a requirement for us to be optimally healthy. Now you can eat a well-balanced diet and live a super healthy lifestyle and not take any supplements and be pretty well off. But if you wanted to optimize your health, your performance, your quality of life, your longevity, it is near impossible. I would say actually it is impossible to get optimal amounts of all the essential micronutrients our bodies need to thrive through food alone, even with a perfect diet. There's never been a single research study demonstrating that is a feasible thing in today's day and age. And I'm gonna outline a few reasons why. Our food is grown in more nutrient dense soils than ever before. Due to poor farming practices, farmers are not using manure and and actual compost, they're just using NPK fertilizers. And so our soils are really, really low quality, compared to what they were a thousand years ago. So our nutrient density of our food has gone down significantly. I'm talking a few hundred percent compared to what uh, it would have had 50 to 100 years ago. And you know even less than that, if you rewind even further, when we had really rich soils. Additionally, our need, our demand for nutrients goes up when we're exposed to stressors. That could be mental, emotional stress, which most people are. It could also be physical stress. Things like toxins in our environments, things like you know travel, and a lot of other things that can really wear down our system. Well, guess what? Now you need more vitamin C. Now you need more vitamin E. Now you benefit from additional vitamins because of these different stressors in our lifestyle. Uh, additionally, food is very rarely fresh these days, uh, unless you're shopping at your local farmers market. You know where they pick the the produce yesterday or that day. You know, food at least in the United States. And I think it might be similar in Asia, is shipped far distances and sits on a truck, then it sits on the grocery store. And over time, these vitamins degrade. You know, minerals are fairly stable, but vitamins degrade very quickly. So a food that was picked a week ago is not going to have a great amount of a lot of these vitamins. And then, you know, I could go even into a couple other facets of why it's really beneficial to take high quality targeted supplementation. Uh, But ultimately, those are kind of the high level ones. Of why we really benefit from this. And, you know, additionally, the way that I really determine how people, like what supplements people benefit from, is looking at where are the common deficiencies. You know, over 90% of people are deficient or suboptimal levels of magnesium, vitamin D3. You know, if someone's not eating much animal protein, they're going to need, you know, if I'm working with a vegetarian that just says, Hey, Ryan, I've decided I just don't want to eat meat, but I still need your help. I want to replenish a lot of these things through but I like to call a little better living through science. Like, okay, we could do that, but it's going to require, you know, six or seven different uh, nutritional supplements to make that happen. Uh, and then looking at uh, another factor, which is people don't typically eat organ meats. I'm a huge fan of supplementing with desiccated organ supplements because these are the most nutrient dense sources of, of vitamins, minerals, much better than muscle meat and balances out muscle meat very wonderfully in terms of the amino acid profile and the different micronutrients you get. And most people are not going to eat liver because it tastes pretty lousy. Uh, so a grass-fed, desiccated liver supplement, and some of these other whole food supplements coming from organic ingredients and really high quality sources, I think is a fantastic thing. Now, I'm not you a typically.
1: Fan, you could typically just get that at a at a uh, a supplement store. Is that typically?
0: It's very difficult to find high quality supplements at a supplement store. I mean, you might be near a good one, but if you go down to your normal. You know, GNC or you know Costco. or I'm naming stores in the United States. I don't even know if they have these in in Asia, but most stores are not going to carry very good quality supplements. Uh, there are some exceptions, of course, but your best bet is buy them online. iHerb.com is a website that ships throughout Asia. Uh, they're an international uh, health food store online, and I'm a big fan of them because you can get a lot of different products. And I work with a lot of patients that are based in Bali. In Australia, in you know Thailand, and they're able to get these products, um, which makes it a lot easier. So you know you don't have to go hunting. And you know I'm very particular about the sourcing, so I only recommend certain brands, certain products, uh, because a lot of companies there's not a lot of regulation in the supplement industry. So you don't know mm-hmm. what additives are going in there. A lot of times when they do studies, it'll say there's you know 200 milligrams of CoQ10 and they'll actually look at a third-party testing. There's like 30 milligrams. So there's a lot of inaccuracies with labels. There's a lot of just questionable stuff going on in the industry. So you have to be very careful where you're sourcing your supplements and know what you're getting. And we're ideally working with a qualified health practitioner that can actually tell you based on years of clinical experience and based on actually doing the deep research to vet these different suppliers and different companies, uh, what you're going to be your best options.
1: Mm.
0: But I will say high level stuff, man, we could do an entire podcast on supplements and it was still be like, people would be like, okay, so Ryan, what do I do? Because it is hard. And it's very individualized, even more so than diet a lot of times. Um, so, you know, it's difficult to just say like to a broad audience of people, you should take yeah. X, Y, or Z. Like I can give you a few things that people would really benefit from, but for the most part, it's really something that you should. Uh, either work with someone on, or, you know, you do a good amount of research. And and like you mentioned, uh, testing is great, you know, but by looking at someone's diet, I could really tell uh, what they're probably missing. And, you know, you could kind of look at the, the issues they're having and also determine, you know, what oftentimes is missing. So even without doing testing, after I see my new patient intake forms, uh, which is a long questionnaire, I have people fill out prior to our initial consultation, I could really identify like, okay, we're going to need to bring in X, Y, or Z due to these reasons and, and these symptoms and these imbalances. Uh, so I know it probably wasn't the answer everyone's looking for of just saying, hey, right, just tell me what to take, when to take it. But it's, uh, it's the truthful answer.
1: No, I, I think it's good. I think, you know, I think too, pe- too many people are shooting from the hip with supplementation. It's like, yep, off the shelf, multi V bang. And, and I think the challenge with supplementation is, and to your point, about the slow burn this kind of stuff is not like a magical pill where you just kind of start taking a supplement even if it's the right supplement and you just kind of have an instantaneous uplift in energy right this is this is stuff that happens over time so i think the the message i get there is that you know if you want to get more targeted on what your, your body needs um work with somebody get tests and just get a little bit more informed whether it's research Uh, And and everybody is individualized as well, right? Yeah, precisely. And and (laughs) a lot of times when I put patients on products,
0: they'll, they'll feel a difference really quickly, you know, and and it'll be a noticeable difference, you know, like they'll know, like, this is really benefiting me. Like I have slept so much deeper, like within a day or two of taking this new product, right? You know, have so much more energy or brain function, Uh, but other things that are just essential nutrients, like you said, it does take time. You know, one example of this is you could take magnesium, a good quality magnesium every day. And in order to get your intracellular levels up, which is what really matters, it can take anywhere from eight to 10 weeks of consistent uh, magnesium intake. So it doesn't happen overnight, you know, just because it's in your bloodstream doesn't mean the levels within your cells are where we want them to be. So some of these do take a longer time. So I'm glad you brought that up.
1: I want to, I want to talk about um, uh, heavy metal toxins, because that's something that was kind of brought to my attention just recently. Uh, A friend of mine had um, a a high level of mercury and it was kind of off the back of having a fairly heavy seafood diet. In his mind, he was doing the right thing eating seafood as opposed to other meats. You mentioned mentioned kind of in your uh, framework around meats, fish was one of those components. Do you have a view on... Um, just heavy metals in general and what foods to avoid and also what heavy metals do to your body um, in, in general. Yeah. And your health. No, I love this. Love this.
0: So I have an entire chart that I created. Uh, and if anyone, any one of your listeners wants this chart, send me an email, Ryan Kennedy health at Gmail, and it outlines every fish and seafood with the parts per million of mercury. And then my recommendation of like, avoid it, consume it, have it once a month, no more. And essentially, just to give people a broad scope, the bigger, longer living fish are going to be far higher in mercury, other heavy metals, and various other toxins. Uh, that would be things like swordfish, bigger tunas, shark. Mm. You know, there's a number of really like hard hitters that are just avoid altogether. You know, and then the smaller fish are going to be much lower. Uh, things like sardines, uh, different shellfish. Um, you know, even things like wild scot salmon, even though it's not a small fish, due to where it's uh, essentially lives up in, you know, Alaska and some of it's out over in the Atlantic, they don't get exposed to a lot of these uh, heavy metals and they don't have as long a life to accumulate a lot of these things based on their diet. They're not eating a bunch of other fish that have higher amounts. So it's a huge issue. I work with patients all the time and put them on specific detoxification protocols that include heavy metal chelators. Uh, Chelator is something that grabs onto the heavy metals uh, circulating in your body and helps you eliminate them out. Uh, My favorite one is an advanced uh, zeolite called ACZ Nano, and you know there's different protocols and also really doing some kidney and liver support is typically essential when coupled with this because those are two main organs of detoxification and when those get overloaded and you try and do some chelation therapy, you oftentimes will get what's called a Herxheimer reaction, which is a detox reaction where you're but detox pathways are being overloaded. So you feel like you have the flu or you feel terrible uh, because it, you're pulling things out too fast. So I always tell people detoxification is a marathon, not a sprint. So don't mm-hmm. try and do some six day cleanse. That doesn't work. And it's not going to serve you in the long run. Understand it's a slow process and it's not a race. And then as far as what mercury does in the body, it's uh, carcinogenic. It lead to things like cancer. It's a neurotoxin could really uh, deteriorate your brain function. Uh, and It's just a very, very toxic chemical or heavy metal rather that has a number of deleterious effects in the body. So you do want to do your best to avoid it. That's why I created this fish chart because there are still really good quality seafood options out there that you can get, but it's important to be educated on which ones to avoid and which ones are cleaner options that you can consume on a regular basis without running into the heavy metal issue like your buddy did. Cause that's, I hear this all the time in my practice you know people will do a a hair mineral heavy metal analysis and it'll come back with really high levels of mercury or really high levels of cadmium or you know arsenic or any other thing and it's just really important to know uh everything is reversible i'm a genuine believer that with the right inputs the right changes you could always you know recover your health you can always the body's capable of miraculous healings with the right inputs and the right changes um but it is important to be mindful of that. And it can lead to a number of issues.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Cause if you look at a lot of people have the assumption that, you know, running on a veggie and tuna diet is, uh, is the <laughs> the pinnacle of, of being healthy. Um, I mean the, the other fact that the tuna gets packaged up in these aluminum, um, or aluminum, depending on where you live in the world, <laughs> um, uh, cans, how does that have an impact on the overall kind of um, toxic metal load as well when you're eating canned tuna?
0: Yeah. So most of the cans have a liner and a lot of those liners contain BPA uh, or other chemicals. So you want to go with a BPA free can and the best variety of tuna is skipjack. Skipjack tuna is going to be the lowest in mercury uh, compared to like albacore or some of these other bigger tunas. Mm. And, you know, You got to take it for what it is. Obviously, fresh is best, but if your choices are between a can of wild caught tuna or a bag of chips, like that's a pretty easy decision to make. Like, we can't always be perfect. We got to sometimes take the best option that is available to us at those circumstances, especially if you're traveling or, you know, your lifestyle doesn't present you with the opportunity to, you know, go to the store and actually cook your own meals, which a lot of people I work with, that's not the case. Uh, I always tell everyone I work with, all my students, all my patients, good health is about pursuing the right direction, not attaining perfection, because it's too easy to get overwhelmed with this stuff and too easy to be like, ah, I got to look at this and, you know, the air filter. Now oh, I got to drink with the good water and I got to eat the right foods and I got to, you know, get the EMFs out of my life and I got to, you know, get these blue light blocky glasses. And, you know, you just start stacking all these things up before you know it, it takes over your whole lifestyle. You know, yeah. you should not, you should integrate it into your lifestyle, not overthrow it. So always kind of start where you're at and understand, you know, Starting with the fundamentals, kind of the low-hanging fruit, so I like to say, is always key. And then just add layers as you evolve, as you grow, as you build new habits, you know, add things to the mix as you continue on your health journey.
1: Yeah, it's really good advice. I mean, the, and, and the basics don't need to be out of reach, right? The basics can be going for a run and getting active, um, you know, playing some sport, um, stretching at home. So the physical side of then on the diet side, some of these key takeaways that you've mentioned, get rid of the, um, you know, killer oils, processed foods, sugar, get more, more, more veggies, identify what's kind of, you know, not sitting well with you. I can certainly, certainly, certainly relate on the, the, the garlic and the, uh, and the, uh, the onion side of things. And the other thing is that, um, you know, just eating, eating the right food doesn't necessarily need to be expensive. I think there's also in Asia, this idea that, A healthy diet needs to be your chia seeds and your, you know, all these things that are imported from the US and all around the world and are only at a health food store, you know, it it doesn't need to be out of reach. Some of these things that you mentioned are simple things that can be bought down at the wet market, whether it's fresh or, you know, fresh, fresh seafood or fresh, fresh vegetables. Um, So, you know, I think people need to get their belief system around food right as well right because I think some of that can be a little bit of a self-defeating process if you're telling yourself that you know it's it's out of reach then it's going to be out of reach got to well, get your
0: belief system out of food here's the other perspective to consider because you're absolutely right that eating healthy especially if you're cooking your own meals will save you money compared to going out to restaurants and things of that nature but yeah. the other thing to consider because some of these things do cost money you know supplements organic food you know it is more expensive than the conventional crap but You'll either pay for your health now or pay for disease later, and this is the best investment anyone can ever make: is in your own biology. So yes, you're going to pay a few extra bucks to buy high-quality food, grass-fed meats, wild-caught fish, you know, organic produce. But that is the best ROI you'll ever receive. You know mm. that that's what people kind of miss is that by eating healthy, by making these good choices, spending a few extra bucks on high-quality supplements or other things, which isn't even a, requ- a requirement, but you know what I mean you're actually going to increase your ability to go out and provide value to the world and make more income, generate more revenue in your business. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners. And if you don't have the energy and the vitality and the just peak performance, you know, the opportunity cost to that is just, you know, we go down this and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I go down this rabbit hole all day where it's really the foundation, you know, so before you go and look at investing in other things, understand that if you're operating at a really mediocre level or suboptimally, that is going to cost you huge amounts, not just in medical bills and healthcare costs, but also in opportunity costs, because you're not showing up in the world as the best person you could be as the most vital, healthy person. And just the conversations you have and the interactions you have with others, is just, it's all going to suffer.
1: So passionate about this, man. I mean, the, the, the investment financially, sure, but Yes, sacrifice. You know, getting rid of some of those foods that you liked, making the right decisions, putting in the time. I agree. The investment and the 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 the, the, the return on that that investment in long term is so so critical. And this is for everybody. I mean, like I, the thing that really it, it just it bothers me is that you know we've got such a great team that run our business in Asia, but the number of times that I get people that call in due to migraines or the people that and it's constant. It's not just once. The people that call in with, you know, um gastro issues or vertigo. It's like, and then and then the next week I will see them in the pantry with their their workmates, you know, smashing down um a pizza or food from 7 Eleven. And this is for me the number one area that people need to invest in to your point, financially, emotionally time, making sacrifices, if, if there's one area, it's, it's, it's this. From an entrepreneurial perspective, I did wanna to touch on uh, one topic that was um, something that I went through probably four or five years ago that I think most entrepreneurs need to be thinking about and be aware of. When I came up into Asia, I had left my corporate job in Sydney. I had arrived and there was you know so much pressure, so much stress. External, internal. And I was just at it, you know, nonstop. And it was kind of like failure was not an option, but I was willing or maybe subconsciously willing to sacrifice my health to, 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 to get there. Um, and in about a two year period, I just hit rock bottom. I hit rock bottom. My energy was, I, I didn't have any, to be frank. And that's when I started working with a functional doctor in the US. I visited my mom in um in San Francisco. We did a whole range of tests including the cortisol test and that was a massive eye opener. My cortisol and for people that don't know what cortisol is, it's your stress hormone. It ha- allows your body to deal with stresses, but and you should have a fluctuating kind of rhythm. But my 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 cortisol was rock bottom. Like they, you know, I did the saliva test. I had my my body was just not producing cortisol. I I was burnt out, mm-hmm. and so I think for entrepreneurs, I think this is a really important area to understand, um, because we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, to, to 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 kind of keep up with the Joneses, to you know keep up and kind of manage your staff and everything that's going comes along with you know being an entrepreneur and, and running your business. So. Um, just want to talk about the topic of cortisol and how can people avoid this idea of entrepreneur burnout? Yeah,
0: like you shared, typically your cortisol rhythm should be rising in the morning. That's what it helps to naturally wake us up. And it should really hit its peak, you know, an hour or two after waking and then slowly taper down. So as the evening rolls around, you're relaxed, ready for a good night of sleep. And a lot of folks that, you know, hard charging, really getting after it, which I respect. I'm an entrepreneur myself. I've grown my practice and my business from the ground up. They just don't prioritize their health and they're running off, you know, tons of coffee and caffeine and other stimulants, you know, and they're also not sleeping as much as they should be. They're not prioritizing, you know, their health, their bodies in a way that's more rejuvenating that recharges them that they burn out uh, physically, Mm -hmm. you know, their mitochondria function starts to tank, which are the essentially the energy producing mechanisms within our cells. Their hormones get out, out of balance because in addition to, you know, if your cortisol is all out of whack, that's going to throw off your testosterone, which as a male, that's gives you your motivation, your drive, your, your energy, your strength. Uh, and as a female, you run into all sorts of hormone imbalances and have really, you know, painful and, and really brutal monthly cycles. And, you know, I work with men and women on this all the time. So you really have to understand a few fundamentals when it comes to your sleep quality, how you start your day, you know, structured morning routine to not be just pounding coffee the second you get out of bed and, you know, just trying to mask these, uh, this fatigue because over time you're just shooting yourself in the foot, you know, you're not really serving yourself. So you really need to take time to recharge. And you got to understand as well that if you take 30 minutes to yourself for a structured morning routine, which I have an entire podcast on, on my show on the specifics for that. So I don't know if we have time to dive into that today, but if you do this right, you are going to prime your biology to be more productive and a lot of people say like oh, i don't have time for workouts or meditation or eat healthy eating or any of that and it's like you don't have time not to do these things folks because your productivity and your output is going to be so much less that even though you may be working 12 hours instead of you know eight or nine or whatever it is those eight or nine hours you are working you're going to be on it you're going to just be laser focused you're going to feel good you're going to get so much more done in less time prioritizing your, your vitality, your health, your biology, that people working the other way, just, it's hard to see when you're in that space, but you're really just kind of operating suboptimally and you're not getting as much done from a productivity standpoint. So even though you're putting in the long hours and you're working from the you know early morning till late at night, uh, it's really not serving you. Uh, and I could speak firsthand. I've been there myself. You know, I, so when I started out, I had to learn some of this the hard way.
1: Yeah. No, I, <clears throat> you, you you're making some really good points you know i think this is this is another episode yeah <laughs> it's another episode i just took a number of notes and and you know i'd love to share my personal experiences which 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 i'm sure you do as well there's so many different things that go into kind of avoiding burnout which kind of i think lead entrepreneurs to a more well-rounded uh practice around running their business so Love to talk to you about a second episode, Um, Conscious of Time. I want to just kind of finish this off with a couple of things around um, where can people find you and where can people find um, all this source of knowledge and tap into some of these practical steps to kind of push things forward, especially in the the diet and nutrition space. Um, So obviously, you're on social media, but I know that you did uh, reignite your podcast. So can you tell me a little bit about the podcast that you got and how can people find you? Where can people find you?
0: Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram uh, at Ryan C. Kennedy. That's where I post content daily and put out a lot of different tips and recipes and advice and, you know, all this type of stuff. Uh, The podcast is the Ryan Kennedy show, and that could be found on YouTube. It could be found on a podcast player. And it's a series of shorter solo episodes where I'm just riffing on specific topics for, you know, 10 to 20 minutes, taking a deep dive and really providing a lot of actionable advice. And then I also bring on different experts in the fields, uh, whose work I really respect, people whose books I've read and learned a lot from or scientists and, you know, interview them just like this in a more long form fashion. Uh, and then other than that, you can go to my website, ryankennedyhealth.com. Uh, same as, you know, if you want to email me to reach out for the Healthy Fish Guide or any of the other things we talked about, you can always send me an email or a uh, message on social media.
1: Beauty. And I know you, you've you also got in your Instagram, the link to your book, uh, Beyond Nutrition. Uh, Yep. Another another good, um, guide, maybe just kind of appreciate you.
0: Appreciate you bringing that up. So I have a best-selling book beyond nutrition. It's kind of a hybrid between information. There's 15 chapters of health and and nutrition information. And then there's also, uh, over 110 healthy recipes because I'm really passionate about giving people the actionable advice to put the information into practice. And when it comes to nutrition, the thing that bridges that gap, of knowing like what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, all the stuff we talked about on this podcast, and actually applying it to your life, are recipes, having easy to make simple recipes that taste delicious that you can enjoy, and not feel like you're eating bland, you know, chicken, broccoli nonsense, but actually eating really nutrient dense, healthy foods that taste great. Uh, And I'm a big cook myself, I love getting getting down in the kitchen. So uh, put together kind of half cookbook, half information book, and I've gotten nothing but incredible feedback from all my readers, uh, over the last, uh, yeah, it's been published for just over a year now. I published it right at the end of 2019.
1: Beauty, beauty. So for anybody, look, if you're out there and you're living with some symptom or you're, uh, you're just wanting to purely, uh, increase your overall vitality, energy, I can't emphasize enough, all the messages and the conversation that we've had today with Ryan. Again, Ryan, I wanted to acknowledge and uh, say thank you for coming on the show and, and uh, sharing everything that, uh, that that you shared. I think it's going to serve the, the the listeners immensely. I can't emphasize this enough. Um, just, just start making the right choices, guys. If you, you need uh, guidance or a source of information, tap into Ryan and his resources. Um, the help is out there. It's just at your fingertips. So really no excuse. Um, again, mate. Good to meet you and uh, good to have you on the show. Appreciate you having me, brother.